You are listening to the Archery Maniacs Podcast. This is Remy Warren. I am Rihanna Carey. My name is Adam Foss. This is Paul Tetford, professional archer. Hey everyone, I'm Christy Titus, and you are listening to Archery Maniacs. We cover everything archery, from the hunting side to the tournament side, with stories, tips and tactics, gear reviews, and more. That helped my tuning game so much when I made sure that all my arrows were square. And I'm just staring into his eyes. Blood's dripping off of its tines. Mud is everywhere. The clarity these mavens offer is amazing. I'm just like Spider-Man, you know, on this rock. You know, just <laughs> laying there. Belly crawling in there and I can barely fit in there and I can hear the cat growling at me. So I put my hand on his shoulder and pushed him and we just ran at this elephant. In this episode, I have Melissa Backer on sharing a sheep hunting story, and then Rick Carlson joins us and shares an archery goat hunting story. I hope you enjoy the show. Uh, hi, I'm Melissa Backer. Hey guys, and I'm your host, Zach Harold. Melissa is going to share her archery sheep hunt from 2016, uh, which turned into a rifle hunt, but she had a ton of stories trials, tribulations, and all the other things in between before she picked up the rifle. So thanks so much for hopping on with us, Melissa. Well, thank you. Um, I guess I'm just going to talk about my sheep hunt. Um, We started out hunting sheep. I drew my U-tag, and we started hunting sheep the beginning, the first weekend of September. Um, Oh, my goodness, and it was just nonstop stocks and stocks and stocks. Um, it's, it was That's crazy. so cool. It was nothing but stocks, blown <laughs> stocks at that. Um, so <laughs> these sheep, you know, I went into sheep hunting. I guess I killed my first sheep, you know, in 2014. Um, but I went into sheep hunting being told, you know, they're easy and they let you get within bow range and, you know, la di da di da uh, so then I, I get into it thinking that, right? Uh-huh. Well, this year was my first real official year bow hunting sheep for pretty much the whole season. Um, and they're definitely not like that. Like, <laughs> if I could describe them, they are worse than antelope. You know, like, they see you over a mile away. They're gone. You know, I'm like, oh, man. So you had to get pretty, pretty clever and witty on these sheep. But, uh, so we started hunting sheep the first weekend. Um, we actually, first weekend out, we ran into this really, really old ram. I mean, he's probably 12, 13 years old. Um, he was with a younger ram. And, man, this ram has, like, left a mark on my heart. And it's just, it was so cool. He was old. He, you could see him shaking with each step. You know, he's just exhausted. You could tell this was his last year. He's probably not going to make the winter. Uh-huh. Um, so that was our, our first weekend out. We ran into this cool ram. Half his horn was broken off, and a huge chunk was taken out the back. He was just cool. Uh, so we ran into him and took a bunch of pictures of him, you know, and we continued on our sheep hunt, not thinking much of it. Uh, so, you know, I, I flung a couple different arrows, and it's always these really incredible – um, angles, you know, like 40 degree <laughs> angles and worse uh, up and down, you know, and I mean, you have nowhere to practice those angles, you know, so 
Um, I, you know, flung a couple arrows and at these crazy angles and, of course, missed. Um, <laughs> taught me a lot, let me tell you what, on shooting angles with a bow. Um, so I had a lot of those backfire, you know. Uh, you know, you're crossing sinkholes and landslides and watching for rattlesnakes, like, one time I stepped over a ba- baby rattlesnake this year. I'm like, oh, there's a snake. And Gert's like, that was a rattlesnake. I'm like, yeah, so. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> you just run into the craziest stuff up there. <clears throat> um, so anyways, going on. Uh, after so many stocks, I mean, we went back every single weekend um, to bow hunt sheep. So, I mean, it was nonstop persistence. Um, I wanted to kill one with my bow that was like, my biggest goal ever. Um, and then one day it almost all came together. Uh, we actually hiked in a couple of miles up on top of this bluff. Um, and there were sheep on the backside of that bluff that we had seen on the other side. And so we hiked up and around and got on top and you're thousands of feet above air, above nothing but air. Oh, that's so cool. So you're on this, yeah, you're on the edge of this cliff, you know, and you know, there's sheep down there. So I'm sitting there behind all the sagebrush, and there's this big old ram because sheep are starting to rut. Um, so there's this big old ram, and I swear he keeps looking at me. And when in reality, I had no idea there's this group of ewes that were down to below to the right of me. And this whole time, I thought he had me pegged. And <laughs> anyways, it turns out he put the sneak on me, and he ended up disappearing. And uh, so I ended up getting up and I heard rocks tumbling down below me. And I looked down over the edge and, you know, I saw the ram and I just drew my bow back and I started standing up and up and up. Um, And me, I'm only like five foot one. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's a little hard seeing over some of them (laughs) dirt mounds. (laughs) Yeah. You know, let that arrow pass through. Um, So I stood up and... There, the group of sheep, you know, literally just clustered up like they do when they're feeling anxious. Uh-huh. Um, so they all clustered up, and I picked out a ewe that I knew was a ewe and not a young ram or a lamb, you know, of course. Uh, so I picked one out of the group, and it was a 20-yard shot at a 43-degree angle. And uh, I actually I hit her. Um, and she ran down the side of that cliff and emerged down below. And, you know, she started looking sickly, like she's going to tip over. And I'm all thinking, like, yeah, I did it. And I saw it was complete pass through. I saw the entrance and the exit. Um, and I'm like, oh, she's going to go down. She's going to go down, you know. And she sat there a minute and she recovered. And I watched her. Garrett and I both watched her for probably two miles, and she never bedded down. Jeez. And, like, I was feeling so discouraged, and, you know, I was feeling like crap. Um, I was like, what? Like, how is that not, how is that not, you know, a, a deathly hit there? Like, that was just incredible. Um, so, anyways, we looked the rest of the day for her. Um, couldn't find her, couldn't find her, couldn't find her. Um, you know, it hit sunset, of course, and we woke up the next morning, went back out to that same hillside she disappeared on, mm-hmm. and we actually located her again. Wow. You could see, you know, the blood spot on both sides, and uh-huh. uh, so we're like, okay, let's put another stock on her. 
Um, so put another stock on her and she slipped us. Dang. Uh, so then she went up and over the side of the mountain, you know. I, I know I won longer. Um, <laughs> there's no way I didn't. But, uh, anyways, I was feeling pretty down and out about myself at that point. Um, and I've been there. I, I was just feeling like crap. I was like, good job. Good job, Melissa. You know, like, <laughs> really? You couldn't have pulled this off. Like, that was a 20 yard shot, you know? Yeah. Um, so I was feeling pretty bad. Um, so anyways, yeah, I couldn't find her. Uh, later that day, we actually came up on another ridge. And we located a different U. Um, we were probably a couple miles away from her. And we thought at first she was probably a young ram. But she didn't look hefty enough to be a ram. So we're like, oh, let's go check her out. Um, we hiked in there probably, you know, a mile or so and got closer to her. And we knew by that time she was a very old U. Um, so I figured at this point I was going to pick up a rifle. Um, I was either going to shoot one with my bow or I was going to hold out for a really big U with my rifle. Mm-hmm. Um, it was going to be one or the other. <laughs> Absolutely. And so, you know, I was just, it was towards the end of the season. I just didn't want to eat tag soup. So picked up that rifle and we went in there and um, she was bedded down on the side of this cliff with a young U and a young ram. And, we were going to shoot her there, but wasn't sure how far of a drop she would take and if her horns would be okay. Gotcha. And so she, yeah, she ended up jumping up, and the wind must have swirled, and she took off out of there and over the next mountain ridge. So we had to back out and hike all the way around <laughs> um, and gosh. off the other side. I mean, round trip for her total was probably over 10 miles, about 10 to 12 miles on this one U. And so we get off the backside and we finally spot her. Um, she was literally like, if you look down below you, it was like the super steep flood creek, you know, that was dry, of course. Mm -hmm. um, and it was nothing but straight up cliffs. Dang. So we shot, I shot her actually from one mountainside to the next. Um, which really sounds like far away, but is actually a 300 yard shot. Mm -hmm. But, but basically it was such a gamble. Um, basically where she ended up bedding down again. This was, of course, a couple of hours later from when we first saw her. Um, she was bedded down with those same sheep, literally on the edge of this cliff. And we're sitting there, you know, like, okay. Um, so where she's bedded down on is a little ledge, but there's no way to get to her. You know, if she were to die right there. And so we're like, hmm, you know, should I sh shoot her now and risk the possibility of not being able to retrieve her? You know, if she were to die right on that ledge mm -hmm. or hopefully she'll tumble off and fall. Um, so we ended up taking the chance and I shot her um, and she ended up starting to run uphill, which we didn't think about, which almost kind of screwed us over. Yeah. She ran straight up the hill. Yeah, it was crazy. Like, and we thought she'd run down the hill, mm -hmm. you know? You would think. But no, I agree. <laughs> she, you would think, you know? Like, that's kind of what we thought. But no, I shot her, and the first thing she did was huff it to the top of that mountain. We're like, oh, man. She probably made it, like, 30 yards. And she bedded down, and she was leaning up against the side of the cliff so she wouldn't roll. And she started, she was dying right there. And we're like, 
oh shoot oh shoot no 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 and so as we're watching in the binos like you could see her head just her head like the rest of her was laying there just her head like tilted and fell to the right that was enough to send her body tumbling and Ugh. she fell off the cliff so we're like sitting there freaking out like oh my god no 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 <laughs> like there's no way to retrieve you you know like oh my god i was panicking um but then once her head started falling we're like come on baby come on baby and she ended up just rolling off um and she endowed and she fell and she actually landed at the bottom of that creek um so then of course you know is hooping and hollering you know we were pretty pretty excited it worked out yeah absolutely uh, yeah it, it was just awesome so we huffed it down there you know and it was straight up and down hill that i shot off of uh, for the most part, um, we have to down there and we got to the bottom of the creek and you wouldn't believe what we stumbled across. It was awesome. Uh, we actually stumbled across that same ram that we found earlier that season. Um, and he was actually dead at the bottom of that same creek. Holy smokes. But it was our ram from earlier. The same horn cut off, the same chunk taken out the back. And... I mean, it was crazy. We're like, oh, my goodness, is that our ram? That's our freaking ram, you know? Like, it was cool. That is way cool. Um, you know, it, it was sad to see him like that. But when we saw him that September, we're like, yeah, you know, this is his last year. He's not mm -hmm. going to make it. There's no way he's going to make it. He's just skinny and wobbling, you know. Mm -hmm. So, but that was roughly about three miles away from where we saw him, mm. like, months prior because i shot my sheep in november gotcha so well, yeah stumbled across him and it was just it was such a cool find i can imagine <laughs> yeah it was so cool so yeah and then we you know huffed it up there and found my you and it was pretty awesome we you know cut her up of course quartered her out uh deboned a little bit of her um and by that point, it was getting super dark, and we're in the super dangerous, steep flood channel, basically. Um, so there's boulders in there and mud up to your knees. So we're like, oh, you know, we better get out of here. Um, so we had our headlamps, of course, and yep. we just quartered her up, got her arranged, and we just huffed it out. Um so, yeah, you're crawling over boulders, and that's when those trekking poles we were talking about earlier was a must. <laughs> like, if I wouldn't have had those, I would have fallen on my face and got sucked into quicksand. Like, I swear. <laughs> it was so – that mud was so deep. But we made it out, and we probably got back to camp about 1 in the morning. So it was roughly about a six-hour pack out. Wow. So total on her, we, our pack out, yeah, it was about uh, five, six miles or so, but it was all straight up the side of a mountain. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> so it took quite a while to get up there, and I was probably packing about 60 to 70 pounds. Uh-huh. Wow. Well, that's cool. But, that's an awesome story. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, yeah. It was pretty good hunt. <laughs> yeah, it sounds it was like one it. One of the most memorable Probably the hardest hunt in my life, to be honest. Yeah. 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 Well, cool. Well, yeah. Like I say, thank you for sharing that with me. Well, with yeah. everybody. It's not just with me. <laughs> <laughs>
Well, I hope you enjoyed Melissa's story. Now let's jump into Rick Carlson's archery goat hunt. If you want to share your story about your mountain goat, that would be awesome. Okay. Well, it's, uh, like I said, I, I have a hard time even explaining it at a time. It was, uh-huh. I, they, as an animal, they fascinated me for a long time, and I still, they live in a, an amazing place that not many other animals do, and they've adapted, and that's where they thrive. And so I don't know, I, I don't know how many years ago I started putting in, quite a while. And I finally, after about eight years, I think it was eight years of putting in off and on, and obviously there's little things about drawing and looking at odds and everything. But long story short, I finally drew one. And our draw in Idaho for moose, sheep, and goat, mountain goat, come out. We put in in April, so you're notified in May. So I knew in May that I had drawn a tag. And this was this has been a few years ago. And so, obviously, I was pumped right away, started making sure I was getting in shape and, and physically, you know, go out there and, and conquer. And... Uh, so I think all summer, you know, I shot my bow religiously. Um, trained, was doing 15-mile day hikes with packs. Man. Um, uh, you know, weight room, the whole bit. I did two two scouting trips just to see the lay of the land, how to get in there, how to access it from trailheads. And I had used Google Earth quite a bit to um, make a plan of, where I wanted to hunt, and as a bow hunter, where I could physically get in and out of, when I'm talking physically, uh, capable of doing. You know, there wasn't a thousand-foot cliff there that it was like, you know, there could be goats there, but there's physically no way you could get in. So I, I limited my search to areas that were conducive to bow hunting. And I made a plan. So I think that the season opened the end of August, and it ran until mid-November. So my goal was to take a mature billy with my bow or eat my tag. And the other thing I had, because I think they're such a beautiful animal, was I had a hard time deciding when I wanted to hunt for the simple fact that I didn't want the hair to be super short. Uh-huh. The elevations and the places they live, I also knew that there was a good chance if it snowed, I could never access some of those places and get in to actually hunt them. So I chose the last... I was going to do a nine-day solo backpack hunt, and I split it up into two areas. And I had two check-ins. I was actually going to spend... Uh, after four days, I was going to pull out, spend the night with a buddy, check-in. I left... Um, my plan with my brother-in-law says, this is the deal, and I'll call you in four days, and then I'm going back in for another four. But I was splitting it up between the end of September and the first of October, trying to play the weather game as well, because I knew I could get weathered out that time of year pretty easy, that elevation. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> so I had that. I, I narrowed it down to two specific areas, and I felt that there was, more than enough area to 
find a mountain goat in either one of them in four days. And physically, after four days, we probably need kind of a halfway down day to gather up and do it again. Um, so like I said, I you know, shot my bow. I was in great shape and um, super excited. And felt really confident. But at the same time, I was pretty nervous. Everybody was giving me a bad time, you know, take a gun, take a backup, whatever. I totally ignored it. I said it's bow or nothing. That's the only weapon I had with me other than some knives. So the day finally came. Um, I left here, and it was south of where I live about. It took me about two and a half, maybe three hours to get to the trailhead. Didn't get up super early because I knew I was going to backpack in, set up my camp, you know, do some glassing where I was going to camp. So I load everything, and I knew there was a big storm front coming in. So the only, um, I took kind of a heavier, one set of heavier clothes. That was all I had, just because I knew this was rolling in and the temperatures were going to drop. Uh-huh. So I load everything up, got my backpack on, and start going into where I'm going to set up my camp. Well, about halfway in, it's getting pretty warm. So I'm like, well... All right, the heavier clothes ain't working here. So I basically stripped down to a pair of shorts and a T-shirt. And I hike in, set my camp up, get my tent set up. I get water pumped, get everything ready for dinner, kind of dry out, eat a little lunch. And it was in a big basin, and there's basins on the other side that you got to go up and over some walls, some pretty high, high terrain. And I thought, well, I'm going to go do this first one. And sitting there, it was still pretty warm, and I thought, huh, no, I just can't hunt in this. So I actually have a, uh, I think there were, there were a pair of camouflage long johns. So I had that and a long sleeve camo t-shirt on. And I hook into a basin from my camp, and I glass until, and I'm glassing on the other side of my camp. It would be to the east of my camp. And I glassed that, oh, a couple hours until the sun started kind of, going down and, and getting into that, you know, a little bit of a magic hour. Uh-huh. I really wanted to get back down because I had a little knob where I set up camp that I was going to glass the base of my camp. So I came out of that canyon, hiked down, and got on my little knob where I was walking to it, and boom, there's a, there's a goat up on the other ridge in kind of this rocky draw. Well, I'm like, well, there, there's a goat. Everything by mannerism body language through my binoculars and horn size was telling me he was a village. Um, one of the best pieces of advice I got for this hunt was from a biologist friend of mine, a retired biologist. Uh-huh. Best thing when you're hunting mountain goats is to set the village and wait for them to turn around because they will have a huge scrotum. So I set up my spot and scope. Everything's telling me it's a billy. He turned around, and the first thing I thought was, if that's a billy, that's huge. <laughs> or is it other? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and 100% you can sex the animal that way by looking at the test. Huh. And they're very prominent. And he turned around, and I'm like, all right, game on. <laughs> you know? Uh-huh. So 
I was like, there it is. You know, he looks like a mature Billy, and that's all I was going for with my boat. So I made a loop up through the bottom of the basin and made a big circle and came in above it. I got where I thought he would probably, once I crested the ridge and on the other side through a rock slide, he would be below me. So about that time, I took off my boots and I dumped my pack. And I'm looking at myself going, okay, if people can see me right now, I'm in a pair of wool socks, a pair of long johns, and a T-shirt. <laughs> yeah, which was, I was, I was laughing at myself. I'm like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> and this was the first day. So I slip over the ridge. And I get by a little uh, scrub pine, little white pine. And uh, sure enough, here comes this Billy cleaning up this little draw. And he gets to 33 yards. And I drive back and I double on him. It's split hairs. And he stood there for a second and I'm trying to knock another arrow. And then he runs up and he gets on a little pinnacle, a little cliff. And he's at 70 yards. And I do practice. I wouldn't take probably a first shot on an animal, but knowing I hit him once, I wanted to try to anchor him. Uh-huh. So he was standing on this ledge. I drew back again. I shot. I break his front shoulder and pierce the front, I think the front of his left lung again. And I knew it buckled him when I broke his shoulder. So he started walking off, and I watched him. He went over across to the through the draw and up to the next little ridge, and he laid down. And I'm like, he's toast. You know, I've hit elk like that, especially the double mummy that's dead. Yep. So I'm sitting there waiting and watching him, and I can see by now, because the hair is so thick that it was just soaking up the blood, he couldn't see a lot of it. Huh. So after 40, 45 minutes, his head wasn't even dropping. And I'm like, I need to slip in there one more time before it gets dark. And like I said, the, the country was really steep. You know, it's not something that I was comfortable in leaving him out there knowing that he could wander off and get into a location where physically I couldn't get in my cliff ledge or, you know. So I snuck in one more time, and I gave him a third arrow through the lung. Man. He ran. And he ran probably another 70 yards and finally expired in the bottom of the draw. So I got down there, you know, made sure he was expired. And, and uh, obviously, I'm, I'm, you know, I walk back. I put my boots on. I'm trying to calm down. I'm like, this just happened. I was just in kind of a day. Yeah. And put my boots back on in my pack, and I'm like, this is ridiculous. I don't even have pants on. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was crazy. So I, I get down there, you know. I set him up, and I've got a little self-timer on my camera. I get that on the tripod, and I'm, you know, snapping pictures and looking at him, going, okay, just cut my head off. I need to take another one. Um, so I took a bunch of pictures, and by then it was it was starting to get, um, you know, pretty pretty low light. So when I always, when I kill an animal, I don't leave until I have it totally skinned out. I want the meat to cool off. Uh-huh. And so basically I him, and I, that was one of the other things, is what to do with him as a mount. Do I shoulder mount him? And I, was, I didn't want to cut the hide because it was so gorgeous. So I ended up just skinning him out so I could tan the whole hide because I was like, I didn't want to cut it in half. I just, yeah, it was like, this is too pretty to chop up. <laughs> so I got him all broke down, 
had him laid on rocks, hiked back to my camp. I think I grabbed a candy bar, broke my camp down, put it in my pack, because I didn't want to have to make two trips the next day. Yeah. Or coming to get my camp. So I broke that down, and I think I got to my camp around. Must have been two in the morning. I wow. a couple <laughs> hours sleep in the back of my truck. Yeah, I never even slept in my tent, and I packed it up the mountain. You know, so... <laughs> Done that Thanks before. When I get up. Oh, yeah. I was like, wow, I carried all this stuff up here and I'm not using any of it, you know? <laughs> yeah. I was like, jeez. So I, I slept in the back of my truck, got up at, I don't know when it was, and went in uh, and made one trip out with, I wish I would have, I had somewhere, but I lost some pictures of just the bones that I left. There wasn't any meat. Took the whole hide. Um, the head and made one load out. But going in, you could see the storm front that was coming in. Oh, man. The temperature, yeah, the temperature went from me in long johns the day before and sweating to seeing my breath and snowflakes coming down. So I got him loaded up, and by the time I got him loaded down and was coming down this uh, kind of shell slope, there was enough snow accumulating that it was making kind of travel a little bit difficult. I was being careful. The rocks were really slick. Um, you know, I finally got him off the mountain and got back to town at probably, I think I got in town around 4 o'clock, and one of my buddies actually knew I was going, and he saw me, pulled over one of the store parking lots. He's like, I thought you were going goat hunting yesterday. I'm like, I'm done. He's like, are you kidding me? And it was, <laughs> yeah, it was phenomenal. I, I was still in shock. It was eight and three quarter inch Billy. He was four and a half years old. Man, yeah, so phenomenal. And every, you know, and excellent as far as table fare. Everybody told me it was going to be tough. So, having never eaten mountain goat, I had, um, I had it all. I made it all into hamburger, and it was probably some of the tastiest hamburger I've ever had. Yeah, it was phenomenal. <laughs> so. You know, from from my side, listening to the story, it sounds like there's a couple big factors uh, to that hunt paying off for you, but I obviously want to hear your input. Um, you're the guy that was on the hunt, but it sounds like all of the, the physical conditioning you did and all of the bow shooting were two major factors um, to your success, as well as the research that you did uh, to find an area that you could actually get into and hunt. Um, but what what do you feel was kind of a few of the main keys to to your success on that hunt? Well, and and on, on a side note, it snowed a foot and a half up there that night, my one-person tent, and I didn't have a good one at the time. The day I brought him out, it snowed a foot and a half that night, and I'm pretty sure my one-man tent wouldn't have survived. <laughs> yeah. So I was I was very thankful. I'm like, boy, I was in for a long cold night, but um, yeah, it uh, you know that that's a good question, and I guess I'll preface this with I was always fascinated with him. So one of my friends, um, the first thing I asked him, and I borrowed a book from him. It was, and I wish I could remember the name and the author. The author was by a wildlife biologist. That's all he did was study mountain goats. Huh. 
So I actually read that book because I wanted a little background besides I've got a goat tag. Yep. Do they migrate? Where do they hang out? What do they eat? You know, what's the gestation period? When do they rut? And so that answered some very basic questions for me. Uh-huh. And, you know, I always felt when I went out I could find them because I'm pretty confident in finding animals. Killing them at times is a different thing. But, you yep. so, know, so that was the big thing. And I was confident going, okay, by reading this, this uh, biologist literature on his studies about mountain goats, I felt that had at least a more than basic understanding of the animal itself. Uh-huh. You know, food source, <clears throat> where they're going to be hanging out, things like, things like that. So that was the that was you know knowledge base, uh, which I think anybody, especially a bow hunter, you don't have to agree with the biological management because it seems to me I've been around enough biologists and there's all kinds of different and that just they're all a little different. And that relies on their personal perception of things. Yeah, but there's always a given on that animal. When's the gestation period? Everybody's like, on elk, as, as you've probably seen, everybody on elk, well, the rut, the rut's late this year. No, the rut happens the same time every year. Sometimes the animals may not be vocal for whatever reason. They may be doing it at night, you know. But the person needs to understand that. Those things, and, and there's always an exception to the rule. I found a calf elk one time in September that was two days old. Obviously, that cow cycled in about December. Yeah. But, you know, so I had I had a basic understanding of that. And then it was my time to do the physical part of it, i.e. shooting, um, you know, being in shape, because it's, especially this area as a whole, it'll make you humble even if you're in shape. I mean, there's some very rugged country, and the same thing with, that country where that mountain goat was at and the area I chose to hunt. You know, it had some decent trail accesses and stuff like that, but the rest of it and where you're going to find the goats was pretty humbling as far as you needed to be physically prepared to go get in there. And not only that, I think a lot of people, and a mountain goat's probably not your best example, and elk would be the best one, I run into people who are like, yeah, I'm backpacking five miles in to go elk hunting. Okay, what do you do when you get that animal down? An elk is a large animal. And backpacking an elk out five miles with no trail is rough. <laughs> you know? Even if you're in shape, it can be rough. Yeah, that is so kidding. Yeah, and people don't get that. They just think it's the kill. Well, the work starts after you're done or after you harvest the kill the animal. So I went in with those things, and obviously my two scouting trips, you know, I had a good understanding of the area I was hunting, how it laid, where I perceived I might find them. And actually on both scouting trips, I did find mountain goats. Uh-huh. Um, and obviously being very confident in my ability to put the arrow, and it was probably... I looked at myself, and it was probably one of my best days shooting ever. 
as I hit the exact hair I was looking at. And I was That's like, awesome. wow. And no one saw that, you know. <laughs> I was like, that was awesome. That's the best I think of every shot in my entire life. And it was like just dead on every shot. Yep. And, yeah, it was so those were the things that I think and tipped the odds in my favor. Was cool. I was ready to go. You know, mentally, physically, I was I was pumped. And the other thing that I think was big for me on a very personal level, because I've seen I've seen both sides of this. I went in with the attitude that I'm going to enjoy every day I'm out. It's not about me killing something. Yeah. Not that I didn't want a goat in the worst way, but it was like. I'm gonna if I harvest a mountain goat, it's gonna be with my bow on my terms, and it's gonna yep. be a mature billy. But if I don't harvest one, I'm not gonna be upset because I'm gonna go enjoy this country and seeing those animals and getting an opportunity to hunt. Uh huh. And I know there's some people saying, "Well, that's you know, you gotta kill one." Well, to me, it's it's not about that all the time. Yeah. I wanted to enjoy the experience of hunting mountain goats, and I and I was very happy with my decision that I was, you know, because I've seen and I've actually guided people get down the last day. You know, nothing would work for them. They wanted to shoot a six point. The last day, there's a spike, and they're like, "I'm going to shoot that spike." <laughs> I'm like, "Why? You passed up nicer bulls than that, and all of a sudden you you want to kill a spike?" Right? You know, it was this ego of, I cannot go home empty-handed. Yep. And, you know, I understand if you're going to use it for, you know, meat and stuff like that, but a lot of people to go, especially where I was guided, guided, they were just there for, you know, a lot of them weren't taking all their meat home because it was, there was a plane ride back east that was involved in that. Yep. So I was like, so why do you want to kill that bull, but you wouldn't kill one three days ago that was, you know, a mature bull elk? And it was, it, it always kind of was funny to me. But I went in comfortable with my decision of, hey, I'm prepared to eat my tag if I can't kill it with my bow. And absolutely, I was, you know, part luck, part determination. Um, maybe a little bit of skill thrown in there somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> and making sure I put in the effort. Yep. And I it turned out awesome. And I was I look at I look at I've got the head European mounted and and the hide tan and I look at that every day and think of that hunt. You know, like I said, I'll probably never be able to do it again. And I would actually I'm so um enamored with the mountain goes, I wish I could say, hey, I don't ever want to put in for bighorn sheep here because I would like to kill another mountain goat instead. Yeah. I would trade that out. But I can't, so I need to kill uh, a bighorn sheep now. There you go. And that's, you know, I'm in, I'm in the same process as far as units I put into, that's the hardest probably tag to draw one of them in Idaho. Yeah, for sure. And I've already narrowed that down to a couple of units that I know I can effectively bow on. And that's cool. what I've been putting in. Well, when you get one whacked, we'll definitely want to hear your story because I really appreciate <laughs> you sharing your ghost story on here. It was, I was drawn in the hole. I was like sitting here on the edge of my seat. I'm like, 
This is great. <laughs> oh, it's, I, I wish I unfortunately I mean I wish I was a better storyteller. I've been around a lot of old guys and stuff that you could just listen to them for hours. Uh huh. I get I get so excited about you know I just can't contain myself because of the excitement <laughs> I had in that. And it's like God, I got to say this or you know I get ahead of myself, but I just get so excited because it was such a an amazing experience. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, like I say, I really appreciate you taking the time out of your evening and sharing your goat hunting you story. It was a blast. Well, I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, uh, yeah, like I say, it just means a lot to me. Thank you so much. Well, you bet. I appreciate it a lot. Thank you for tuning into the show. It means a lot to us. But seriously, though, I really appreciate your ear. And it would mean the world to me if you would rate our podcast. If you didn't like it, one star it. But if you did, a five is even better. Don't forget to comment, like, share, and hit that subscribe button. Thanks again for tuning into the show. Some other podcasts that you should definitely check out are... Eastman Elevated with Brian Barney. And Hunt Harvest Health with Ryan Hillary Lampers. And a special thanks to Maven Optics, Six Sight Gear, Dark Energy Tech, Shield Mountain Outdoors, The Outdoor Insiders, Iron Mind Hunting, Valkyrie Archery, and Gannett Ridge Sporting Equipment.